Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. This is episode 164 for your record books. My name is Aaron, and with me as always is Dave and Fredo. How are we doing, guys? Doing well. Hi, I'm glad to be here. I was going to say, Fredo, you went to uh, Florida, and uh, so Mm -hmm. did you you say hi to all the... uh, the book burning Nazis in Florida. Sorry, that's mean. <laughs> you can edit that out, Dave, if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of fun people in there Florida. There are. There are. I've got good. I've got really good friends in Florida. Their their political system is just a mess. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I did not. I mean, it's interesting because no, I did not see any of those people there. But of course, I'm sure they're not out there in West Palm Beach. They were not at the beach. Well, we're glad you uh, are uh, home safe. You know, so. Yeah, it was more than anything. I mean, look, yesterday I was like, my flight's getting delayed again. I'm going like, there's no weather system. What's going on? But though you got back on time. You, that you, floor, you Florida shamed me on Twitter, though. Did I? Yeah. Oh, because you, did not, you had no idea what a Publix is? <laughs> well, you just post a picture of that, nothing that even says you're in a Publix. I mean, it's like, and you, I could tell that you, I could see your face when you type that. It's like, it's Publix, Aaron. I'm like, well... <laughs> My thing is, my thing is this: it's that uh, you know, when Lionel Messi, the greatest soccer player in the world, gets filmed with his family going to Publix, it's like if you're in Florida and you're at a supermarket, nine times out of ten you're gonna be, and you're making it known to people. That's the thing. That's the key. If you're putting posting on social media, you, nobody posts it on social media. They went to Piggly Wiggly or Kroger. They posted the went uh, to Publix. So, so when I was when I was in high school, I worked at a grocery store. High school and college worked at a grocery store. It was called Hinky Dinky. Okay, <laughs> and what you guys laugh because it was, it was then I was in college drumline one time and I said, yeah, I gotta I gotta work tonight. And our drumline instructor said, where do you work? And I said, Hinky Dinky. He said, what's Hinky Dinky? And the other guy says, you know what a Piggly Wiggly is? And he's like, yeah, that's the same thing. <laughs> it was just like <laughs> who names these grocery stores. Um, but I will say Publix, though, has great subs. Did you get a sub while you were at the Publix? No, because I was in a conference. And if there's one thing about conferences, you get fed and fed and fed. So, <laughs> no, uh, we were there getting some of the stuff. But it's a small Publix. It's in it's in Palm Beach because I was in West Palm Beach. So it's right in the middle of like their downtown area, all the nice high-rise condos and whatever. So it's the prettiest Publix I've ever been to. I'll say that much. Well, I, okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to Florida in November, so I will take, I'll make sure I make a pilgrimage to Publix. It maybe. Um, it's a, it's an overpriced grocery store is what it is, but I do like their subs. So big news guys so this past weekend actually i was cleaning my closet and reorganizing some stuff and i took out i had a, a saints jersey that i haven't worn for a while and i was like i just need to get rid of this because the guy's not on the team anymore <laughs> and it just happens to be number 80 jimmy graham and lo and behold who shows up on our you know saints doorstep today jimmy graham I thought it was one of those retirement deals where, uh, you know, the guy too. signs with the team and retires. So this is either going to be the greatest thing ever or the biggest bust ever. Um, he didn't play on a team last year. It's probably going to be more of like a blocking tight end and, you know, red zone. Um, but I don't know. That's That was just kind of – that was kind of interesting. I mean – Personally, because, I mean, on the one hand – for those of you who weren't around or weren't alive or did not know, uh, Jimmy Graham was a big piece of the offense. Like, like he came out of nowhere, burst into the scene, was in the running alongside uh, Gronk for best tight end in the NFL from what, 2010 yeah. through 2012, 13? And then he wanted to be paid like a wide receiver. Well, the thing is also end. is that he got hurt and he started getting a little mm-hmm. uh, gun shy because he used to be the mm-hmm. guy that would you know, throw tight spaces and take hits. And then he got a hit. And after that, it was like he was looking over his shoulder. But mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, he wanted to get paid. And yeah. And that, that resulted in then there, there was always some feelings that maybe there was a little bit of acrimony between uh, Jimmy and Sean Payton. And because of the, what you're saying about him not necessarily sticking in, you know, uh, through a play or whatever. So anyway, 
not to make a long story, uh, he got traded to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, we got a first-round pick and a rather good offensive lineman. And uh, he's gone on to have players ever elsewhere. I thought he was supposed to be coming. We're talking to about bringing him back when he left Seattle. Then he opted he to, to sign with Bay. Bay. Yeah. And I thought, okay, that's it. That's really it for him because, you know, there's no chance he's going to come back. He's, I just had to check. He's 36 years old. And usually, many, I mean, my, my question is, though, before, before we get mm-hmm. to Star Wars stuff, is how many games are we going to go through before an announcer makes the point that he used to play basketball? Uh, let's see, preseason one? <laughs> Probably, right? Um, so, anyway. Uh. That, yeah, that was the favorite talking point with him. It, it seems like with a lot of players, they circle one talking point and, and just go back to that over and over again. And his was, he used to play basketball. Did you know? Well, yeah, that, that was the uh, Saints drinking game was, you know, if they mention, if the announcers mentioned that he played basketball or when they mentioned Katrina, um, that was the, uh, you know, time to take a drink. But anyway, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, Britt and I are going to training camp on Saturday. So go watch, nice. watch them practice so we shall see uh, not a game not a game we're talking about practice yeah i know i know we've done it before many times um so um another little bit of, did you at uh, uh, san diego comic con's going on and there's a new Haslab project and they're releasing did you guys see the ghost um they're they're uh the, the big huge ghost um and it comes with uh uh hera and um Ezra and Zeb and um, Kanan. It was interesting that Sabine is not part of that mix. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. wonder if that's going to be. I wonder if it's because that she's made. I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, I, I think there are going to be a lot of people who will go after that because um, of how popular Rebels were. And we're going to be talking about Rebels tonight because we're going to watch two episodes of Rebels. We're going to watch Doom, and we're going to watch Wolves at the Door. So if you want to get your Disney Plus account up. And get Doom ready to go. We're going to watch it here in a second. But um, uh, I think there'll be a lot of people probably going after this one more so than the big rancor from the last one. Um, so. so so the good news is Haslab did meet its target of 8,000 backers. Uh, they got like, oh, just shy of 8,300. Oh, did they? Okay. Uh, so yeah, so they've, so, you know, the crowdfunding still continues for another 43 days, but they've already met their goal. The catch is the ghost, which comes with all the fun stuff you mentioned, is going to be a retail price for $99.99. So if you got five hundred dollars, you're looking at you know, abuse. See that that's was what, that's what we can go into. The sale barge made me. That's I you know I I bit on the sale barge because that was it was first of all I it was like I mean I had the money saved away and I was like but it was like there's such an emotional attachment to you know, Return of the Jedi. And, and there's never been the sail barge. And I remember G.I. Joe, my friend had the USS flag, you know, the big aircraft carrier. And I was like, man, I'd always wanted something like that. And here I am with, you know, my little Jeep. Um, but the sail barge is way cool. The ghost, uh, I that makes me kind of go, yeah, it's kind of cool, but I don't think I have the emotional attachment yet. So, but anyway, that was kind of a neat little thing. Um, the other bit is that I didn't realize the Star Wars action figures cost $16 now. Um, so anyway, woof. I remember when they were $3, kids. Uh, but Oh, even even the cheapo ones cost a minimum of 5 to $6. And those are not the ones you want. You want the Black Series ones or the ones that come with all the accessories and whatnot? No, yeah. the, three and three quarter, any- the three and three quarter inch ones the vintage collections those are like 14 16 dollars and that's that's just ludicrous anyway dave's looking at us like you know get on with it you know uh, Birds. So, uh, Birds. but uh, all right well we get are on going, with it we're going to start with uh rebels uh season four episode 11 doom as a reminder um kanan died last episode and uh his uh 
Well, I mean, we're spoiler alert. His last name was Doom, Caleb Doom. Um, and this wolf kept saying the word Doom to him in a previous episode. Um, so I think that will come into play. So on the count of three, we'll all hit play and we'll start talking about this episode. Again, this is right after Kanan sacrificed himself for the crew. So in three, two, one, play. And, uh, and go ahead, Fredo. No, I was just going to say, just as we start, because as we're coming up to the wreckage left behind by uh, the Imperials of the fuel cells, uh, it's interesting how, and it shows a certain level of commitment and comfort in regards to the story you're telling, that this is the episode we're going to get. Because this is the completely different episode. I think any of many of us thought we were going to get following Kanan's death. And I, I love the fact that this, uh, <laughs> who's it? it's Governor Price, right? Mm-hmm. And she's, I mean, so arrogant that it's like, you know, here you just destroyed, you know, this whole fuel depot and people are going to be ticked. And so what does she decide? No, let's, let's have a parade. Let's have a parade and we'll, we'll hide the fact that, uh, um, <laughs> that we, kind of messed up i mean we we basically you know swatted a fly with you know a sherman tank um so um she then tells him look this is gonna bring to a halt the tide defender program that uh tarkin has been trying to desperately fight for is the reason he's not around you mean thrawn right yeah Yeah, thrawn sorry thrawn thrawn not tarkin yeah so it's a big deal. And for right now, they don't know this, but it's going to come out. So here we have the whole crew having to, I mean, they're having to deal with the loss of Kanan. Um, you know, Zeb's just learning what's going on. Um, but uh, this was a, this was a heavy, man, just a heavy start to an episode. I mean, you think of a cartoon series and I mean, there's a couple moments here and my disney plus froze so i'll let you guys uh tell me what's going on but um to to start with that heavy a, a stuff um it's not it's not tom and jerry folks so. <laughs> and again that goes to kind of what i was saying is this kind of speaks to how comfortable uh dave filoni was with his story at this point and that the audience would want this moment we we need a moment to grieve the loss like not just the characters in the story do, but the audience does as well. So help me out. Where yeah. I'm, I'm pulling it up on my iPhone now. Where are we at? What's going on? They they are getting the the radio message that the Imperials are celebrating the mm-hmm. uh, the, the death of Kanan. There's gonna be a parade in Capital City, you know, and they're, and they're you know surprise surprise nobody's taking it well. The uh, the previous uh, scene, um, I, I'm constantly uh, on the lookout as we're we rewatching this for little cues that a person might get that reveal character traits, um, storylines that have been uh, in development over the course of the four seasons. Um, and you saw Chopper take Hera's hand, yeah, um, and that was just such a nice little moment that shows you the bond between those two. Huge, huge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember. I remember seeing that for the first time, and it was like, oh. Um, but you know, well, and what's it? Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go. I was gonna say what's what's interesting at this moment is that we're recognizing that everyone else is processing the news of Kanan's death differently. Harris withdrawing in. Sabine and Seb decide, nope, we're gonna go throw some extra fireworks in the parade, meaning they're gonna. You know, attack the parade in celebration of Kenan's death. Uh, uh, Ezra's got off on his own to try to find, you know, Morn, and the rest of the rebels around them are like, well, I guess this is it. This is over. Well, and, and the thing is that, I mean, they all understand that the, the fight continues. There is really no time to mourn. Mm-hmm. Um, though in this episode, I think Hera does take that time. Um, so are you guys seeing as the wolf barking at Ezra? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I do want to point out again, um, I mean, 
Dave Filoni has it's it's uh, no secret that he's really into wolves, but it, just like starting the episode the way he did, um, this episode and the, and the next episode, he really you know stepped out you know because people who are upset that um, you know Luke Skywalker did a force projection in. Um, you know, the last Jedi, Jedi people didn't freak out about, about the force wolves, you know, in rebels, you know what I mean? And this, I mean, there's some weird force stuff that's going on. I mean, he's obviously talking about, he's making the force has always been this one magical power that Jedi have. We talked about last episode. Now he's talking about really expanding on what, you know, Yoda said, where it's between, you know, me and the tree and the rock and the you know it's um that the force is everywhere um well there's there's two things really at play here which is that you have these animals who are sort of mystical um and have a a sort of an interesting connection to the force that we don't fully understand um and that that needs to play out we're going to find out like what what's the connection to doom and and what what is going on exactly? And then you you're you're also highlighting Ezra's ability. One of one of his abilities um, that has manifested as a result of his connection to the Force is to be able to speak with animals. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. you're getting further development of Ezra's character, and you're also sort of expanding the lore of what could be. Um, within this universe. And kind of like we discussed in the last episode, it's the idea of the force having a will of its own. That it's not just a um and not just an energy field that binds things, that it can it can have uh, a will and demand things out of the people that it, it's connected to, which is everybody. And in this case, uh Ezra's trying to find his way and he feels lost and on tether because of the loss of Canaan, and exactly as that's why the wolves are necessarily not necessarily in sync with him. He's not he's not in sync with himself. He's not aware of what his feelings are about everything. So he feels lost, and the wolves are helping make him feel even more lost. Let me ask you guys: uh, as much mm-hmm. as we've liked Thrawn as a character, I think we all like Thrawn as a character. And but in this last scene that we just saw between him and Governor Price. Um, she's terrified. Have mm-hmm. we seen anything in Rebels from Grand Admiral Thrawn to make us terrified of him? You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's like we saw Darth Vader, you know, choke people and force choke people. And, you know, in Rogue One, we've seen him slice people. There's reason to be fearful of Darth Vader. But Thrawn seems, at this point now, he almost seems inept. Because if you know if, I mean, you know, it's the Obi-Wan line of who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him. It's like, okay, you can be mad all you want about your bumbling idiots below you, Callus and Price and everybody. But at some point, you got to take ownership of those are your idiots. And you, I mean, you haven't been able to wrangle them in. We're going to see something with uh, Constantine in a, a future episode. It's like. Have we ever seen anything of Grand Admiral Thrawn to make us fearful of him? I'm not sure fear is tied into his character specifically, more just a general knowledge that she screwed up. <laughs> she screwed up badly. Um, and she's trying to have this parade to sort of cover that up. Yeah. And uh, I think like that's really what I take from that. Um, Thrawn has shown himself to be a, a brilliant tactician but, but a horrible a people manager. Theory. That's that's my yeah. point, though. You're a brilliant tactician, but how do you keep letting idiots do idiotic things? I mean, it's not like he just came to the realization that Price was a was, you know, not all that, you know, and a bag of chips. Um, well, he did root out Callus. That yeah. was one thing that he did. He identified that as being a problem and then rooted it out. Um and I think like this situation with her sort of resolves itself. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like 
it's a way of nerfing him. We talk about that with um, Carol Danvers, right? Her abilities make her way too powerful and way too formidable. And so there's no drama surrounding her because she's just too powerful. And I think like with Thrawn, you have to surround him with these sorts of handicaps because otherwise he would just win. And I think in some ways uh, where I've seen Thrawn more menacing has been in how cold he can be. The fact that he doesn't care whether you live or die. He doesn't He doesn't care whether uh, Price lives or die, whether Cal's lives or die, whether uh, the rebels live or die. He's after his goal, he's after his ends, and whatever to make that happen, cool. If you're in his way, he'll find a way to beat you. If not, he'll find a way to use you, and that's that for him. So I don't necessarily think he's, because he's not going to be one of the guys who's going to snarl. He's, like you said in the last episode, Aaron, he's the Moriarty of the villain of Star Wars. He's cold, detached, almost inhuman, you know, and by that I mean with no ability to connect with anybody else. He appreciates art, but he has no love for it. He appreciates uh, other cultures, but only as much as he can take from them. That's him to a T, and... Uh, that makes that makes him dangerous, but uh, I think in some ways that also makes him terrifying because he, he's like a computer virus. It's just gonna eat up everything in your computer and not care about what it's done. So we didn't really talk about Sabine much last episode, but here you see her um, her method of coping with the death of her friend is to act um, and to immediately go yeah. into action mode. And I think, yeah, I mean. Honestly. What we know from what we know of her character as a, as a Mandalorian and her family history, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, you also get to see more of her art on her on her uh, armor here, and I, I really appreciated that. Just because, like, um, again, we didn't really touch on that last week, but like her her art is a is a huge part of her, her culture, and you would think almost the opposite that it is more important for Hera, but it like, that was something that they sort of shared in common. Um, and I'm wondering if that could account for how they sort of gravitated towards one another in the first place. Um, but, uh, it, over the course of the series, Sabine is the artist. She's the one that's like tagging things and, and spraying her hair, different colors and doing all that fun Which stuff. Which, you know, I think I appreciated more on a second viewing of Rebels because it, it does something that I think few characters in Star Wars get, which is a life before we met them. I think that's one of the things, you know, her and, and somebody like Han Solo are the rarity where we you know, we know that they were something, but her art is an expression, is a way to connect her to who she was before. And so through that, you get to know who she was who, you know, why she is the way she is. It's a it's a, it's a way to express her or inform you of her without coming out just telling you this is what she is, you know, that info dumping. And right now they just blew up, uh, <laughs> they just blew up a sentry post and Rooks is right there investigating. <laughs> There's some good comedy here too. It, right? it is. It, again, really good writing because it starts in that heavy, you know, place. And now you got a little bit of, you know, levity between, you know, just from Zeb of, you know, because Rook sees him and he goes, I don't want to look at him again. I mean, it was, it is, it's just really good writing. So they, they really found their stride. Um, I think, you know, some of the writing in the earlier seasons maybe not as strong but they really did find their stride in seasons three and four for sure um so uh, you know ezra there was a scene we're talking well here we're, we're at ezra's lost right now i mean both actually lost and um kind of existentially lost you know and who shows up but a loath wolf big old wolf big old wolf and who's you know saying eventually i think they start saying doom right um mm -hmm. and again so that goes to your point fredo of you know the, the force 
you know, okay, the wolf actually says, I am doom. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. I and mean, like I said, it, it, this is, this is Filoni's taking a step out. I mean, this is, this is, you know, this is Kanan talking through the wolf. The forced, mm-hmm. you know, um, to Ezra. Um, I think it's really cool. And it's something that we, you know, in, in Empire Strikes Back, you had Obi-Wan actually come back and say, go to Dagobah. This is kind of cool. And reminds you that, you know, loved ones who pass talk to you through different means, you know. Right. That, 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 con- that connection through the Force exists long before, long after somebody's gone. But especially since, like I said, Ezra was actually, and like I said, he was lost and mm-hmm. you know it's like okay we still got to remind him that i'm still here you know and that the force is still here you know to guide you mm-hmm. um now this was kind of weird i did in, in air to the empire could rook disappear i'm trying to remember if he did i, th- I think there was, there was some uh camouflage ability to him unless i don't know if it was like this but you know, it's been a hot minute since i read it uh, a brief point I wanted to make about uh, Kanan, if this is indeed Kanan, uh, presenting in this way, it, uh, it stands to reason that he wouldn't do it the same way that Yoda and Obi-Wan do, because they weren't able to pass that knowledge to him. Well, and actually, the uh, marking on the wolf's head is the same marking that's on his shoulder pauldron. So that was another, I mean, I think... I think Filoni's hitting us over the head here, but yeah, I, I think that, I think that's right, Dave. I mean, he's not going to just, uh, hi kids. I'm Anakin Skywalker. Uh, <laughs> and I love that. It's like the, the wolf was asking, why did you run? It's like, I'm afraid. And uh, the wolf's like, well, that's why they chased you. Like the wolf is explained to him. Like if you're, if you're a Jedi, Mastery of your emotions and knowing what you're doing, the wolves are not going to uh, attack you. They're gonna, you know, you'll be connected through the force with them. But because he's not connected to the force, because he's lost emotionally and spiritually because of uh, Kanan's death, he's having to be told where to go and what to do. However. Obi-Wan made it easier on us by just saying, go to Dagobah and go meet up with Yoda. Here we got wolves who, you know, can barely talk and dropping random stones. <laughs> but it was, it was kind of interesting. Um, I, I wanted to say to the, the hieroglyphic that we just saw, um, so emblematic of this entire series and, and how well realized Lothal is. There's a, an entire cult movie, um, and you just feel it. Mm. You, they, 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 they put so much work into that. Well, you know, and sometimes it's kind of hard being uh, in this country to connect with things like that. I'm, I'm thinking about when we've gone to Ireland, and, you know, we're in some of the, uh, like, uh, Newgrange or Nouth, and you have these, you know, carvings that have been there for you know you know i mean thousands of years and so it's tough to uh sometimes like i said in this country when the oldest thing that we look at is oh wow look that that building was here in 17 you know whatever so um but yeah you're right but i don't know it's the old ideas i know i'm hoping that in ahsoka because it seems like it, it seems like in Rebels that Lothal is important, not just to Ezra, but in like in the in the grand scheme, it's like how everything orbits around Tatooine and the Star Wars universe. It seems like for some reason Lothal is incredibly important, um, but it was never quite explained beyond it was Ezra's home, um, and I hope that maybe. And I wonder if there's any going to be any sort of explanation in the Ahsoka, because part of that it takes place on Lothal. Um, 
Well, the world between worlds, the the Jedi Temple is hugely important. Yeah. Um, why did why did it appear on that planet? Why did they build it there, etc.? Um, those answers we, what we other have no plan- idea. What other planets have an entry gate, right? Because I'm mm-hmm. sure it's not just a single gate, you know. Um, but uh, a single stargate. <laughs> it's but like I said, and you know, like I said, it's there. Some seems to be something about Lothal, but it never was quite explained. Um, Mm-hmm. By the way, I, lo- I love this little moment where uh, uh, Sabine keeps Seth from killing Rook. Yeah. And literally beating his brains in. And they just have to just tag him and send him back to the Empire. Because that's not what does. Kanan would not want them to just kill someone out of anger. Which again goes to show this is this bond that's formed between these characters is strong enough that. Even his loss would not allow him to act out against it. It's also interesting right now what's going on, the way they're writing this story. It's very much, it's like if it's like if you were before the first episode. You have um, Hera and Chopper, who have always been together since she was a kid. And you have Ezra on his own. And then you have kind of the the misfits, if you will, you know, teaming up. So they've, and it, and it allows Hera to mourn, you know, without having to do it heavily on screen. Um, but adding Kanan to the Calicori, it was never, you know, said that they were officially an item, but there's been many um, hints and some more blatant hints, but then to add him to her family, crest basically is huge um so this episode ends with i mean you have to watch the next one to see what happens this is these the season one and season two were very much you know standalone episodes we talked about last week season four is one long storyline mm-hmm. really especially the back half of it so i guess we'll move anything you want to say about doom before we move on to wolves at the door wolves and a door just kind of like i said just repeating myself now that i've uh we've uh, seen it is uh, the comfort and the and the you know not only say courage but the the gumption that dave filoni and crew had to put the no oh, we need a episode to give us an episode where we find a way for for what <laughs> oh, we... for our for these characters to mourn the loss of their leader you know it's, yeah. it's, you know, a lot, a lot of uh, TV would have just gone right on to the next thing. And they're comfortable enough. And at this moment, we're headed towards the end, but we're going to pause and we're going to give these characters chances to reflect and mourn in their own way of somebody's death. And hey, kids, everybody, you know, deals with death differently. Mm-hmm. You know, so, all right. Well, wolves and a door. So in three, two, one, play. And I'm just gonna say I'm pro loath cat. Oh yeah, I think they're adorable. Just yes, my daughter has a loath cat stuffy. Full disclosure. So uh, we have a loath- which one? We have a loath. <laughs> my cat eldest and a loath wolf. Um, no, the uh, uh, let's see here. So now we are trying to figure out what the stone is that. Uh, uh, the wolves gave to Ezra. We know it came from the Jedi Temple. Um, so a couple seasons back, Ezra mm-hmm. and uh, well, Ezra and Kanan went to the temple a couple times. Uh, yeah, first, and then with Ahsoka the second time, when it was finally when the Inquisitors chased them and they had to you know set off the. Not self-destruct, but the, the the button that closes the door for good on it supposedly makes hides it. But surprise, surprise, the Empire found it because well, they're the Empire. Um, so their their problem is is that they don't have a ship, and the temple is way too far north, like on the other side of the planet. Basically, is what's going on here. Um, and this is when I think. Dave Filoni got weird, (laughs) but I mean, again, it's like, 
everything's possible through the force. Um, so right, Dave, here he is. He's, you know, Ezra is communicating with animals. He did it mm -hmm. with, he did it with, um, in many times to get help. And I hope we see that in Ahsoka. Um, I don't and, think Dave would lose sight of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I love the fact that it's something that he's had from the beginning, but that, that he worked with through with Kanan, and that it's something that by this point, as he's kind of maturing into his own Jedi, he's comfortable in using. He recognizes that it's part of his connection to the Force, is his connection with living beings like the loath wolves and the loath cats even though everybody else in the crew is kind of going like ah, are we sure we're going to be doing this because this is nuts yeah okay so what what happens here because they're they're going to start we're going to start riding the wolves and it's basically like light speed wolves am i right <laughs> it's it's like i mean it's and I wonder, you know, it's like, it's like I said, Ryan Johnson got so much crap for, you know, oh, here's a new force power, blah, 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 blah. And he had to pull out the book to show this is where I got it from. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know the answer to this. I wonder, did Dave Filoni just, yeah, light speed wolves? Or, can I make a suggestion? I'm going to make a suggestion. Dave Filoni, like me, is a big fan of the 1980s fantasy movie Crawl. <laughs> and if you've ever seen crawl there's a species in there called the fire mares that can run like through, on the sky like like they can cross thousands of miles in a single night maybe this is dave filoni's version of it. homage okay. very, fair enough an homage, that would make sense homage, that would make sense a movie from 30 years ago that nobody but the nerdiest of nerds knows which i'm including myself in that group and i love how one of the wolves is carrying chopper in his mouth <laughs> you know he wasn't happy about that like like a ball you know it's like my it's like my dog with her ball um which by the way if they make chopper two toys would you get one uh, it'd be destroyed i'm sure um so the, the other cool thing here is that everybody like just just barely trusts ezra you know what i mean yeah it's like they it's like I think they're at about a 60 40 split. It's like, yeah, we'll go with them, but I what's gonna happen here? Um, and then they get into the tall grass and uh, they'll uh, yeah, so it's it's really weird. All right. So we again there this is hyperspace here. I mean this is every if you ever watch Star Wars, this is we're in hyperspace and we're hearing you know some of those same uh, uh, lines from the past episodes with Kanan and you know the Grand Inquisitor and Ezra and Hera there's a thing through the force you will see many things the past, the future as Yoda told uh, Luke again, and again this, is all this is why whenever you bring up the point of the angry fanboys at Brian Johnson I was go. Yoda told everybody in 1980 that you could do just about anything through the Force. It was your get-out-of-jail-free card. If you think it, the, there's a way the Force can help you make it happen. And, you know, here's another example of that. And again, it's perfectly fine because we've been told that we can do this. So now everybody, <laughs> everybody wakes up and they're where they need to be. And so, yeah, we had Lightspeed Wolves. So... At, and at this point, I think, like I said, and I'm, I'm one of the first ones to go, really? But this didn't make me, I, I was hooked on this story because of the previous episodes. So, um, The execution matters, doesn't it? I mean, because there's, you could say, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to have them travel across the planet on wolves that can travel faster than the speed of light. And if you'd have made them like i don't know look like the flash or something right it might have felt a little silly but they went a little more dreamlike with it yeah. you know like what's going on well maybe we're maybe we're asleep maybe we're not maybe we're dreaming this whole thing um and i think you're more apt to just sort of go along with it as a viewer as a result 
Yeah, I want to say something about the animation as well. Watching the loath wolves just kind of trot off. Like I said, the animation has gotten so much better by season four because they, you know, they had the gait of that animal down so it doesn't look as Davy and Goliath like it, like season mm-hmm. one did. But here we are, we're at the Jedi Temple and it's a huge Imperial work site. Don't tell me you don't get any Indiana Jones vibes out of that work site image. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, hands down. <laughs> But also, I love that little moment where uh, uh, Hera asks ask, uh, ask Ezra about, you know, why did the wolves help them? And they're like, they're on Lothal's side. And Sabine's like, well, aren't we on Lothal's side? And he's like, they're 100% committed to this planet. We better be too. It's, yeah, yeah, but, the- yeah, but you ain't from here is what they... <laughs> so No layer than now. No, no layer than now. <laughs> than now. Um, I, I I do like this excavation site. You're, you guys are hundred percent right. Indiana Jones all the way. And like to the point where you're going to have these sorts of mystical happenings going on and everybody's going to be baffled by what's going on around them. They don't, you, you've unlocked powers that you don't understand, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, and uh, yeah, if you're a fan of Indiana Jones, like, this episode and the next one are just right up your alley. Mm-hmm. And Chopper and Seb knocking out a couple of uh, uh, scout troopers for all time's sake. Again, they're finding they're finding moments to give us a little bit of levity, so we can laugh without it being, "Hey, here's a joke, kids." <laughs> You know, it, and we mentioned, I think, last week, too, because um, I'm still sitting there going, man, the Scooby-Doo gang is, like, taking down the Empire here. But it's it's Cassian saying they don't they don't notice you walking into their own house because mm-hmm. they're so arrogant. And, I mean... You'll never think it, right. And, I mean, it's so it's... I think what they did in Andor to say that I think helps so much in watching, rewatching this because that was the thing. It's like, you know, the, the joke that was in another episode, why do they keep letting us steal these shuttles? You know, it's uh, like I said, that line from Andor just makes you go, Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, uh, what do we think about this uh, creepy uh, uh, priest like dude? I don't know what, did I, was into it. I mean, it was an interesting character. Yeah. I was way into it because, like, ever since I first saw Return of the Jedi and you had, like, this sort of circle of advisor, like, spiritual advisor people um, hanging out with the Emperor, it was just like, what's that all about? I was always fascinated by that. And so, like, any sort of glimpse into that, that, that... this idea of the occult and the, the emperor being obsessed with dark forces and this, that, and the other. I, I'm like, I'm into it. So, yeah, I, I like this weirdo. Mm-hmm. And uh, what it reminds me also is if, and I know you've read some of them, the Dr. Afrin comics, mm-hmm. is that there's all these shady characters who exist in the periphery and within the uh, workings of the empire who are trying to get their own little slice of something or they're trying to make their headway or they're trying to gain some sort of power but they're not necessarily sith or they're not necessarily imperial they're their own thing now i always like characters like this because it tells us that much like in the real real life there's not just duality within people there's a multitude within the galaxy and some are opportunists some are far more uh nefarious than they are uh, committed to the cause, like Palpatine would have him be. Yep. Well, what's, Speaking of whom. Which, which is interesting. And what's interesting, you know, Harrow said, I've never seen an Imperial like him before. You know, the, the rest of the galaxy does not know that Palpatine is, you know, is a Sith and is into this, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of, it's kind of like um, uh, in the Robin Hood uh, the Kevin Costner Robin Hood movie where, you know, the sheriff of Nottingham is being, you know, um, advised by a witch, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, it's, it's similar here where people just know that this is the emperor, but they don't realize that he's into dark magic, you know, basically. Um, mm-hmm. 
And I'm really glad that they get Ian McDermott to do these voices. Mm-hmm. He, he's one of those character actors that they were actors that they landed for this role one time there 40 some odd years ago and boy did they, if they didn't get it right because I mean he's really come alive ever since the prequels and you know even his appearance in the sequels because despite the manner in which it came to be I think everybody's glad to have him around like, like nobody's disappointed in McDermott's around for uh, doing, giving us more Palpatine, especially the next couple of episodes when he really gets to have some fun here. This is a neat moment with Kanan, um, Force Ghost, maybe, but Hera's having her doubts, and it's not a wolf that's you know approaching her. It's just feeling his presence. Um, I think this is the absolute correct usage of the Emperor too. Like you don't you don't lean on him. You you don't bring him in all the time. You only bring them in when you need to emphasize just how important a thing is. And this is like, it's got his stamp on it. This is critical. They really need to step up their game and win the day here. Um, and, and it's effective. And what do we know most of all about Palpatine? But by this point, what is clearest about his character is that he's looking for a way to cheat death. He's mm-hmm. a man, he is somebody who's committed well, above all else, beyond the power, all the power that he's amassed, all the power that he's obtained, what he really wants is to find a way to live forever. Because what good is it being the emperor of the galaxy if you can't take it all with you? So the idea that it'd be after whatever power exists at the Lothal Temple that may allow him to bridge that gap and, you know, get eternal power. Yeah, he'll he, be down with that. And he wouldn't be... Uh, uh, sending Vader or Tarkin, Thrawn, or anybody else after that. He'd want to control that all to himself. All right, kids. Um, If you're wondering what this uh, mural is that we're looking at, you need to go to the Clone Wars and find the Mortis arc. Um, Mm -hmm. The father, the daughter, and the son. The, The son represents the dark side. The daughter represents the light side. And the father is the balance, the one in the middle. Um, so it's it's an incredible arc in the Clone Wars. Uh, really, again, I think that's where Filoni first started to step out into the nature of the Force. Um, and it also has some big Ahsoka connections. Um, so... Uh, I would not be a bit surprised if it's referenced in the Ahsoka series because of um, just, yeah, just because of the links um, her, especially her, because in the Mortis arc, the, the daughter sacrifices herself to, to save Ahsoka and keep her alive. Um, and so there, like I said, it's a, it's a huge connection here. Um, what strikes me here is is um sabine talks about it's art it all has a meaning um and like she's uniquely qualified here you know who else would be uniquely qualified to to decipher this would be thrawn and the emperor is is siloing everything he's not folding thrawn in on this one um and to his detriment here so now just so you i mean we brought it up in previous episodes. There was the early script, script I'm sorry, for what became uh, Rise of Skywalker had at one point the climax occurring on Mortis. That's how much of an impact that arc had on the writers and the people that, you know, trying to make the sequels. Because at one point, it, it almost felt like that's where the final battle for, you know, the fate of the galaxy and the force and everything was supposed to take place. It was on Mortis while know where uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin and Ahsoka go to one point. So here Bill Ezra's trying to figure out a way to connect with VR. It's a master and an apprentice, he said. Mm-hmm. You know, we're looking for hints that she might be an apprentice of some kind. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but she's she's not in. All she's involved here is as a lookout. <laughs> Sorry, that I mean, but you know, it's um, it's interesting though. He said, "Okay, um, yeah, it uh, it takes a master and an apprentice." You know, that's the the first time he really. Well, I guess he and Kanan. Yeah. It required Kanan both of them to were, open the Jedi yeah. Temple, but then also it required, you know, Maul and Ezra to get into the Sith temple. Um, yeah. Previous, but um, yeah. So we're just like I said, trying to find our way into, or trying to figure out how to make everything work here on this mural. Um, I also like how stormtroopers they make in rebels, they make the stormtroopers even dumber than um, we thought they were. <laughs> Right now, we're both going to have to file a report. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't care where, what part of the galaxy you are, what role you have. You don't want to do paperwork. Exactly. Paperwork sucks. You want to do the job. You don't want to be stuck to writing about it. And there you go. And I think uh, Ezra has finally figured it out. And notice next to the daughter, um, there is mm-hmm. a, like a... Um, owl type thing it's a convor um actually uh it's been referenced before when they were on chopper base um Mm -hmm. but uh notice that in the in uh the episode in the mandalorian with ahsoka um there was a convor lurking about it'll come into play in a pre in an upcoming episode here this Mm -hmm. is where actually the animation to this is really cool but it's this, really cool. But this is where it got really, it's like Filoni was high. I'm, I'm sorry. This is what, I mean, this is, this is weird because we've got 2d animation on top of 3d animation. It's really, really cool. But like I said, it's. We've almost hit Fantasia level or, uh, or Dumbo and the pink elephants uh, level here. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where he's just like, okay, we're going on a bit of an acid trip, kids. Which makes sense. I mean, George is a Southern California guy from the 60s. I, like, I, like do, want to say, I do want to say, too, Ezra connected with the light, the daughter. Mm-hmm. And yeah. She's the light. And that, that was how he was able to gain entry. I wanted to say that. I like how Hera mm-hmm. said, I think the painting moved. <laughs> <laughs> she and Zeb are just kind of like, what the heck is going on? But the wolves, uh, yeah, are. I mean, Ezra is re- reacting totally on instinct and totally through the force um, because none of this makes sense if you're, I mean, just you see an animated wall. Um, wolves running in a circle. But it's but it's a it's a neat um, way of depicting the door. It's a way that's creative. It connects with the idea of the stone and and the fact I love the fact that everybody who's been at there is so focused on their tasks well, they're, that they're, none of them are paying attention. There again, this is everything the force and every every part of the force here is in something organic. It's whether it's a wolf, whether it is the stone, whether you know, every it's that's another point that he's making here. Um it's not like this mystical portal just opens up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's through nature. There, and there had to be a mystery to it because again, they're, they're flummoxed. The empire has control of this area, but they don't know how to get in. Um, and so there had to be an element of, well, because they have no respect for nature. Right. They have no respect for the, you know, the land. Um, that would totally be an empire blind spot yeah. from what mm-hmm. we know. Well, and it's something, I mean, this goes back to stuff like Lord of the Rings and whatnot, is that usually with good, the good side, there is a connection to nature, a connection to uh, the natural side of things, balance between every aspect, whereas an evil t- tends to be far more uh, anim- machine-like. It, there is a disconnect. <laughs> Of Sorry. course, Ezra goes through the door. The two stormtroopers bang their heads into it and knock themselves out. And next week, we'll find out where Ezra goes to 
because <laughs> you think we're at weird stuff we'll get any even weirder stuff and actually i think the next episode is one of my favorite episodes but- it's it's seminal it's i, I don't think and you know, i think next that that episode next episode is one of those that's become so influential for everything that dave filoni has done now in the years since and it's only going to become even more so going forward so again, these last about five episodes is just, it's like Filoni's doctoral thesis on the nature of the force. It really has nothing to do necessarily about character development. It's, it's mm-hmm. teaching us all, you know, again, what, what is possible and how powerful the force is. Um, and I, but it's also, by this point, you know these characters. You know who they are. You know how they'll react. So this is, in many ways, the final thesis of their characters. It's okay. You know who you are. Now we're going to put you... Can so, you actually achieve the goal of defeating the Emperor? But what I'm getting to is that the reason why I, I love these last several mm-hmm. episodes, that's why I am so looking forward to, if we get it, that um, the uh, the movie, uh, the, the, the Dawn of the Jedi movie, you know, to see mm-hmm. the first person who discovered the force that that's extremely interesting to me. Um, I know people have said they, you know, they're tired of Jedi. I love that aspect of star Wars and I can't wait for the acolyte to see, you know, all of that stuff. Um, you know, yeah, every now and again, you need a break from it. Um, but you know, that I just, I just dig you know, learning more about um, this thing that we can, you know, use to move rocks. So, um, and how, how much bigger it is. Um, but like I said, yeah, I, so if you've been watching these episodes with us, now go back to like season one and watch like one of the first couple episodes <laughs> and compare the animation, compare the storytelling. But it is almost like with the storytelling part of it, you've got to make them short contained stories to get people hooked and then then you can release the double album you know in your third and fourth go around so um and i still don't think we've reached the best storytelling i think it comes in the next couple episodes the uh i'm with you on jedi um i love i love learning more but i think one of the things that i always I uh, try to stress with Star Wars when people say, why do you like Star Wars as much as you do? Um, it's that they'll answer a question that you might have about the lore and they'll give you 10 more. And 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 that's when Star Wars is at its absolute best. And it's like from the very beginning when, when we had Obi-Wan explaining the nature of the Force to Luke and the Clone Wars and his father and what happened and like all of this amazing like like the the imagination just runs wild at that point and and when they when they endeavor to answer those questions it's it's the creation of new questions for us all that 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 i that i love and keeping some of it like hidden from view or or mystical or we're going to answer this but we're not going to give you the full answer, you know, like things like that. That's the thing. And that's so I said, I think the, the, the genius of George Lucas's storytelling where in a new hope, it's like, you know, Luke goes the force and he just, and Obi-Wan's like, all right, force for dummies. The force is what gives the Jedi his powers. It's an energy field that surrounds all living things. It, you know, he gives three sentences and everybody in the movie goes, Oh, okay. I know what the force is. All right. Got it. And we're good. Imagine if we would have gotten Yoda's, elab- you know, where he elaborated on it in Empire. You know, if we would have got that, what, the, the Force? You know, and then you get Yoda's, you know, thing. We would have all just went, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we would have been in La La Land. A little bit, yeah, a little and bit at a time. So, yeah, with, with, each iter- with each iteration, we get a little bit more. And so now we're getting, like I said, five episodes of Rebels that it's like, and then the wolves can go at light speed. And then you can use, you know, your hand to open up a rock and go into, you know, this <laughs> mystical plane. Um, 
you know, it's so like I said, like, I think it was pretty like genius. surface level. That's what's going on. Right. But like he's giving us deeper answers about what this is all about is that it, it is not something that you can explain to the person like with just, I'm going to explain it to you. Like Obi-Wan did in three sentences. Like there's so much more to it. And I think like, that's the part of it that, that Filoni understands brilliantly. And this is why people um, like us who had seen rebels, um, who had seen Clone Wars when, when it was announced that Filoni was going to take on a more active role uh, at Lucasfilm and, and be involved in the Mandalorian and other projects. We were all for it. We were excited about it because it's like, well, this guy, he understands it. Mm-hmm. He gets it. You don't, you don't reveal everything all at once. You know, you, you, you give them a little bit of a taste and then you, you circle back to it later on and you're like, Oh, well, here's a little bit more information that you might've wanted to know then, but we're not going to give it to you all now either. Um, and ultimately you get to a point with it by the end of the story, hopefully you feel satisfied with what you did get. And I think at the, at the end of rebels, you, you are, you are, you're very satisfied with, with the story that they told. It's something that I think back to, I mean, we're making the comparison to Indiana Jones there uh, when we got to the uh, temple scenes. Um, it's one of those things that if you go back and watch something like Raiders of the Lost Ark, they give you just enough information for you to know why this is dangerous, why Sarah pursuing it. But they don't explain all the mysteries. Even the final big act at the end doesn't get explained. Yeah. You just go, okay, the, the only conclusion we should have about this is that we shouldn't touch it. It's too powerful for any one person to be handling this. And I think that's what I love about the essence. You know, the explanations of the force were simple, have stayed kind of simple, but it's because it's a mystery. It's such a big mystery that to try to encapsulate the totality of it, it's kind of like explaining to find God. Well, you can get somebody's approximation to it, but the more you go on, the more you realize that that's just that person's point of view. Well, so it's best if you just leave it open-ended nebulous because then it can be whatever to the person you're speaking sorry the other person who gets it is ryan johnson luke's whole thing in the last jedi you know and well that whole interaction with luke and ray with ray saying he goes you know she's like the force is a power that lets you move rocks you know (laughs) she she was the the seven-year-old watching a new hope you know, or, you know, 10 year old watching Empire Strikes Back where like, oh, you can move stuff. Um, and Luke explaining, you know, the force and then Ray, you know, coming to that um, realization of the balance of force. And, you know, Ryan, like I said, Ryan Johnson got it as well. So. And I think, and I think that's kind of the shame that we we haven't gotten more stars from him, just because he did in a in a way get that it was, it's more than just a way to you know do cool stunts, action stunts, and uh, backflips and twirls. Yeah, he also knew how to write for C three PO. But anyway, um, so anything else about uh, Doom or Wolves and a Door? Um, can't spoil what's coming next week weird <laughs> stuff so um i i was just gonna say i think uh i find rewatching these episodes it, it gives you a sense of some of what we should expect to see in ahsoka that we're gonna get some mystery we're gonna get some stuff we might not get first time you know like stuff like the loaf walls and because the first time you see it you're very much in a what the heck is going on and it's up to you get to the end of the story to go this is what was happening, this is what's going on. So I wouldn't be surprised if some semblance of, not necessarily the similar elements, but that vibe. Because again, there's Ahsoka, Sabine, we're dealing with the Force in a way that's the most direct, I think, in any Disney Plus show. Because the Mandalorian, I mean, outside of Grogu and occasionally seeing Luke or whatever, you know, we really haven't delved too deeply into the whole mysteries of the Force there, even with Jedi running around. I think this is going to put all that stuff back front and center. So it's going to be, it's interesting seeing him now and seeing how uh, Dave Filoni continues that, that, those ideas. Cool. Anything for the good of the order, Dave? No, I mean, I think I, 
spoke my piece uh, earlier. Just uh, Filoni, again, when people are effusive in their praise of of him, um, this is this is what they're talking about. If you're listening to us and you're not watching along, I mean, I'm flattered. That's cool. Um, but check this stuff out. I, I think you should you should at least watch this. You know, the last several episodes of season four of rebels right. and, and see why people think that Filoni is the heir apparent. And to Fredo's point, it actually, I think will help. Yeah. You know, get into Ahsoka a little bit more uh, because I think like, I think you're right. I think there's going to be some instantaneous weird stuff that, um, <laughs> you know, if you're not, I mean, i still think it's going to be palatable, but it's, it might be, having watched this it might be make it a little easier so however um we'll have to wait to see what happens to ezra um so come back to our next episode when we uh get to the world between worlds and uh there's another one after that right um but we'll we'll watch a couple more um but until fool's hope fool's fool's hope um but until then we will say who dat And everybody have a great week. My monkey.